And I would encourage you to, of course, this passage will be on the screen. But uh, we're going to be in the last chapter, chapter 6 of Paul's letter to the Galatians. And I just misinformed you. It's the Holy Spirit's letter to the Galatians. And I think Paul would say amen <laughs> to that. We live in a fallen world. We who have been citizens in the United States of America and who have, because of the, what God did in Great Britain <laughs> hundreds of years ago, Magna Carta 1215, that was a mighty work of God. There was a priest who went, was sent by the Vatican to support King John. And he got to England and he looked around. Of course, uh, he probably was an Englishman himself. And he saw what was really going on Stephen Langton, with a name like Stephen Langton, he's probably an Englishman. But he looked around, and the person who did not need support was King John. The people who needed support were the so-called peasants, the people who actually had absolutely no legal rights. And that Roman Catholic priest, Stephen Langton, sat down and he penned a very lengthy, very, 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 very lengthy document called Magna Carta. One of the things he did is he spoke to the nobles, so-called, and said, hey, let me make a suggestion to you fellows. How about if we establish this uh, thing called Parliament? We'll call it Parliament. And there will be a House of Lords and a House of Commons and no tax can be imposed on anyone that doesn't originate in Parliament. Not the king, Parliament. And all the nobles said, Amen, Amen, Yay, Yay, Yay. Yes, we will, lo we will love that. And by the way, it gave rights to the common Englishman had no legal rights. And every single person was known by their trade. That's why we have last names, especially those coming from the British Isles, with names like carpenter, plumber, <laughs> baker, because people were known by their trades. And one of the things that Stephen Langton had to do as he wrote Magna Carta was he had to name every trade. Candlemaker. If he left one out, those people had no rights. That's how insane the culture was that that document corrected and gave a clear environment for people to function in and live as God-created beings, people made in the image of God. Hundreds of years later, in our 
documents, what do we have? We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men, all human beings are created equal. Created equal. We all bear the image of God. There isn't nobility and peasants. No, we all bear God's image. That comes straight out of Magna Carta. The American revolutionaries weren't the revolutionary. George III was. And if he tried to do the same thing back home in Great Britain, he was trying to do over on this side of the ocean, they would have taken his head off. He tried to impose a tax, a king's tax, a royal tax on their tea. And being Englishmen, the colonial people, the colonists knew, no, 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 you have no legal right to do that. So they had the Boston Tea Party. (laughs) They stood, the American revolutionaries were standing for their ancient rights as Englishmen under Magna Carta. Now, why am I saying that? That God has created an environment for us that every other culture, every other civilization on the planet, other than the nobles in those places, envied. Because we live in a culture, we're losing it, it's being attacked, but we live in a culture where people have esteem, we have value. We aren't peasants. And that's one of the things that Paul is emphasizing here is that we, before God, have responsibilities. We have a responsibility in our culture. And the Galatian culture, the Greek-Roman culture, was an extremely debauched place. And the Christian movement actually probably prolonged the life of the Roman Empire because it brought simple morality and esteem for other people into the culture. And we are to be servants of one another. That isn't natural to us. We don't, left to ourselves, we don't seek to serve other people. We seek to create ways in which other people will serve us. But Jesus was a foot washer, much to the shock of the apostles. What does Paul say here in Galatians 1, 6, 1? Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We are to be servants of one another. If we see a brother or a sister that needs correction, we are to come alongside of them and seek to serve their needs to step their feet back on the right path. But do it with a spirit of humility, of gentleness. Not ridiculing them, not mocking them, coming alongside of them and saying, I've been where you are. Been there, done that. Or witnessed it. How may I help you? Here's the path that the Lord has laid out for us. How may I help you to get your feet back onto that path? Will you allow me that opportunity to be your servant? essentially to wash your feet in this? 
do it with a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. We are all fallen sinners who left to ourselves have no defense. Thank you, Lord, you didn't leave us to ourselves. But be aware that learning to walk in the Spirit, learning how to walk with God, learning how to access the divine purpose and the divine person so that you are walking with Him in His strength and His wisdom and not in your own. That's a learned thing. And if you see a professing Christian who is going, their feet are on the wrong path, you come alongside of them so that whatever education you've gotten, you can share with them to enable them. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Well, we just completed a series before we did Galatians and 1 John. And what does John say in that letter over and over and over and over and over and over? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you are not loving your neighbor, you are not loving God. If you are loving God, you will be loving your neighbor. They go together. Love your neighbor, love your neighbor, love your neighbor. What is the law of Christ? John 15, 12. In the upper room, we just read earlier from John 14. This is just a little bit later. Jesus says, this is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. Ouch. <laughs> really? Uh, yes. What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 11.1? 1? Be imitators of Christ. Be imitators of God, even as I am. Ouch. But God has given us his divine presence so that we can actually do that much to our own shock and surprise by his enabling power and guidance bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ for if anyone thinks himself to be something <laughs> he is nothing he deceives himself. When we walk in pride, we're actually fools. <laughs> when we walk in humility, we're actually wise. But let each one examine his own work. Don't rejoice in your brother or sister's failure. If you're going to rejoice, rejoice in your own walk of obedience and trust in the Lord. Rejoice in that. And that day is coming. It's called the judgment seat of Christ, spoken of by Paul in both 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, when we will stand before the Lord Jesus Christ himself for purposes of reward, where Jesus will say, I saw that here. 
here's extra kingdom blessing for you. Let each one examine his own work, then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, and not in another's failure. For each one shall bear his own load. We will each stand before the Lord Jesus Christ at that judgment seat, and he won't be speaking about other people's failures or other people's success. It will be him and us. Just one and one. Let him who is taught in the word share in all good things with him who teaches. If someone has come into your life and has sacrificially offered shepherding to you and been been a teacher to you, and they suddenly should have some kind of a need, be willing to turn around and meet their need. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to, the, to his flesh will of his flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap <clears throat> everlasting life. And let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, we have, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Don't be deceived. Satan is a liar. Don't you don't go through this world thinking, oh, I'm such a little, you know, Satan's too busy doing it. No, he is a liar. And by the way, he has lots of minions who he can send to do work, to do his work. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. There are consequences. Good works bring good outcomes. Bad works bring bad outcomes. Because you got redeemed, because you were welcomed into the kingdom, didn't change that reality. That's the reality for all human beings. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. Our jails and prisons are filled with people who were going to get away with it, they thought. They didn't. There are people still wandering around in the streets that are living with the results of their life choices. Just last Friday night at the Passover Seder demonstration, what did the presenter say, Mitch Foreman? I was an alcoholic, and I was a drug addict. My life was absolute mess. And I heard the gospel. I was exposed to the gospel truth, and I got transformed. I got transformed. And now for about three decades... (laughs) He's been involved in Christian ministry. God took an absolute wreck who was experiencing the consequences of his choices and Jesus came alongside of him through the testimony of others and he was liberated by the work of God. 
God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. He who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Life that has its that is enabled from heaven. Everlasting life doesn't mean living forever. It means experiencing heaven's reality and joy in my life experience. When we come to faith in Christ, we receive everlasting, God-like life. And let us not grow weary in, in doing good. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't give up. Six nights a week, my wife and I listen to a program, 8 o'clock, KHCB, 88.7 FM, called Unshackled, about the ministry. The core of that ministry is the Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago. They've been doing this work since 1877. And every night, it is the testimony of a life that's transformed. And they have thousands and thousands and thousands of these testimonies and every six nights a week we listen to that program we don't miss it because it's so heartening to hear of God how God picked people up out of the gutter and welcomed them into his glad embrace do not grow weary in well-doing in doing good don't stop for in due season, at the right time, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And a farmer goes out and he sows the seed and uh, he prays for rain. And uh, the harvest doesn't happen the day after the seed is sown. It happens at that time of year, that season, when it is the time for harvest. You don't give up. And therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, all, especially those who are of the household of faith. We have a principal responsibility to fellow believers, but we also are to be servants in this world. See with what large letters I've written to you with my own hand. What brought Paul to the province of Galatia in the first place? He had an eye issue. He couldn't get this resolved. The Lord would, didn't answer his prayer. The Lord didn't answer his prayer. What would he pray for a few minutes ago? We have people here in this congregation who have ongoing, incessant problems. Paul's incessant problem that God did not resolve took him to that province of Galatia so he could get to this naturopathic cure. How well did that work? We don't... God... He, God used him to establish these congregations. Now he's writing this letter of correction to them. Notice with large letters I'm writing to you. Why? Well, apparently on some level, Paul still has this issue. <laughs> I'm writing. I'm getting out the papyrus. Note, as you've read this letter, you've gone, wow, look at the giant... Notice with what large letters I'm writing to you. Does Paul still have this I issue? Apparently he does. Notice with what large letters. Did that cause Paul to throw in the towel on his Lord, to throw in the towel on Christianity, to not be a servant? No. He's still a servant. 
See with what large letters I have written to you with my own hand? As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised, only that they, that they might not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. As we've already noted earlier in the letter, what is the problem that the Galatian congregations are experiencing? These Judaizers have come in to take over this ministry that Paul, the Lord used Paul to, to start. They want to take over and get these people to bow the knee to them in admiration. And you will accept our legalistic format for a relationship with God. Forget that Holy Spirit dwelling within you nonsense. No, 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 no. You will bow the knee to us, and you will bow the knee to our prescription, which is the keeping of the law. And here is the former Pharisee saying, no, that doesn't work. Been there, done that. It failed me. It fails them, and it will fail you. Only what God has, what I already taught you and what you've been walking is the, the enabling power of the Holy Spirit. Stick with that. As many as, des- as many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, they want their reputation to be elevated. These would compel you to be circumcised, to follow the, the law of Moses, only that they might not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. Let me point this one thing out. You, what is the gospel? The gospel is that God the Son became flesh True God of Nicene Creed, true God of true God, true man of true man, not half man, half God, fully God, fully man, joined together in one person, went to the cross, paying sins penalty because of the immeasurable holiness, the immeasurable weight of his glory, the immeasurable weight of his holiness, he was able to pay sins penalty. For us. He got it done. It is finished. It's paid in full. He paid the penalty for our sins. He's got it done. We don't need to add our works to that. In fact, to attempt to add God's works to that, our works to that is an insult to the one who said, it is finished. It's paid in full. As many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh, these would compel you to be circumcised only that they may not suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. If you add any human work to the undiluted, clear gospel that Jesus got it done, you are taking away the persecution. The world will be said, oh yeah, it's, it's what Jesus did plus what I do. Ladies and gentlemen, that's blasphemy. Jesus got it done. It's Jesus plus nothing. But you add a law to the gospel, you take away the person because you're taking away the gospel. The gospel plus anything is not the gospel anymore. They do not want to suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For not even those who are circumcised keep the law. They claim to, but they're not. They're lying. 
but they desire to have you circumcised, make you law keepers, that they may boast in your flesh. Ha, 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 look what we got. We got them to bow the knee to us. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me. You know, if I walk in the cross of Christ, if my only claim to fame is what Jesus did for me, the world will reject me. It'll stiff-arm me. Because the world, is, the world system is about pride in themselves. God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of Christ by whom the world is crucified to me and I to the world. I, I've deliberately in embracing the cross of Christ alone. I've stepped away from the world, and by the way, the world is happy about that. They've stepped away from me. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. But a new creation. We are a new creation. What did Jesus say to Nicodemus? You must be born from above. It is God's work in you. It is God's initiative in you that brought life to you. Let me ask you a question, simple question. If it was in any way dependent on me, if it was in any way dependent on you, what would be the outcome? If I mean, in our own minds. We would either be walking in pride, which is the worst failure there is, or we would be shattered because Satan, the accuser of the brethren, would have the victory and constantly remind us of our sin, of our unworthiness. But Jesus made us worthy by his redeeming work. Verse 16, And as many as walk according to this rule, the, cry, the cross alone, the cross alone, the cross alone. As many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them. Authentic peace. I can, walk, I can step into the presence of the holy God and know that I have a glad welcome awaiting me. I can walk in the presence of God's enemies and know that God is my sovereign protector. I can walk in peace. My God is the absolute unrestrained guardian of my life experience, both here and there. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy and mercy. Whew. Our favorite word. Mercy be upon them. And upon the Israel of God, the authentic Jews, who has been the thorn in the side of this, these Galatian congregations. It's inauthentic Jews. The Saul, Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul, he is an authentic Jew. He is authentically is because he is accepting the new covenant that the God of Abraham promised. 
He's walking, as he said earlier in this letter, I am actually walking in the covenant God made with Abraham to be a blessing, not only to you and your descendants, but to all the nations of the world. Paul's walking in that covenant. And as many as walk according to this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God, the authentic Jews. Authentic Jews are the ones who have welcomed God's mercy, as did Abraham, as did Isaac, as did Jacob. From now on, let no one trouble me. Don't, don't mess with me. For I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Is there someone that can make a testimony that they are a disciple of the Lord Jesus? That's fine. That's wonderful. But don't draw a comparison with me. Let's, let's compare our scars. You probably don't want to compare your scars with the Apostle Paul's. He's already got a lot of scars because of his authentic walk with the Lord Jesus. From now on, let no one trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, his divine, incessant, overwhelming provision, be with your spirit, your inner person. Where do we live? Where do we truly reside? We reside as a spirit in a body. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, granting to you his divine strength. Amen. So be it. And all God's people said, Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand. We will close with a simple chorus.